Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Welcome to Podcast Rebellion, everybody. This is Juco All-American, joined as always by Whiskey Wednesday. We are excited to talk about the Kentucky game. Ole Miss, uh, if you're listening to this and you don't know somehow, uh, Ole Miss, who was ranked number 14 in the country, faced number seven Kentucky and won. And is now ranked number nine in both the AP and the coaches poll. Uh, so top 10, pretty neat. I think that uh, there are many times throughout the last year, two years, three years that you could have told me that on October 2nd, 2022, we would be ranked number nine in the country and I would have not believed it. Um, and I mean that like as recently as uh, at the end of last season. So like a ton of things kind of fell our way in, in good ways and transfer portal and all that sort of stuff since then. But uh, there were certainly times uh, at the end of last year that was like, well, everything's about to fall apart. So I hope it's a, I hope it's a good year. <laughs> that is not the case. Um, before we get started, uh, I it's three o'clock on a Sunday, so you may not be drinking anything. I am drinking a a craft brew. Uh, it's called a uh, Blue Moon. Um, mm. a, a small uh, brewery, the Blue Moon Brewery Brewing Company. Excuse me. Uh, yeah. So I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but uh, I, I think it tastes pretty good. But seriously, actually, um, I don't know what your thoughts are on Blue Moon. I've, I've actually kind of come full circle on it. Like at first, I uh, thought Blue Moon was like the best beer when I first started drinking. Um, and then I started to kind of hate on it uh, and kind of think it was like, oh, oh Blue Moon, like it's so corporate or whatever. And uh, now I think it's pretty good. Like I don't think it's the best beer, but I think it's. It's a very uh, good kind of like drink in the middle of the day kind of kind of beer. I'd agree. I, I um, similarly used to really like Blue Moon because it was the the first beer that I tried that wasn't like tainted by the like the smell of of frat house and and poorly maintained keg equipment. Uh, <laughs> and so I liked it for that. And you know I love anything orange, and so it, it paired well with that. Um, and you know, it, it became sort of like, I don't know, uh, a little bit overdone, but, but yeah, it's, it's still good. If you find yourself in a place without a huge beer selection, that's, that's usually something that I, I would go for. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's talk about the game. <clears throat> Absolutely. So I think before we get started, um, just a general thought about the game is we're uh, we find ourselves in this weird place at least i do i can only speak for myself but from reading some message boards and twitter and all that sort of stuff recently where like we can be tempted to explain away oh well you know kentucky was not really the number seven team like obviously they're they're not as good as you know people had thought they sort of like ended up uh, there by default because they started 4-0 and beat a bad Florida team uh, or a mediocre Florida team, that sort of thing. Uh, and also, like, well, you know, they missed a field goal. They had two extra points that went squarely on them. Uh, we'll talk about the targeting thing later, I'm sure. Uh, but, you know, there were a number of things that, like, quote-unquote, didn't work out for, for Kentucky. Um, and so, like, those sort of cheapen the win. For me, none of that. Nothing cheapens the win. Like, I, I, I'm super excited. I think it's awesome uh, and a huge, huge win, statement win in Lane Kiffin's career at Ole Miss. I'd agree. I, I think the overwhelming narrative that I've seen is that Kentucky gave the game away. But I really think that's just the way that it ended. Uh, I think that Ole Miss had to weather a bunch of bad breaks and just, you know, some of it I would credit to officiating. Some of it I would just kind of attribute to just the way the ball bounces, um, having, you know, huge kick returns against, uh, you know, what is a really athletic special teams unit? I don't think that's going to happen very often. I mean, obviously you give uh, a lot of credit to Barry and Brown too, who, boy, we could use on the team, by the way. Uh <laughs> 
but just a lot of things happened that that were really annoying uh, if you're an Ole Miss fan in that game. But my takeaway was that Ole Miss is a much better football team than Kentucky. Um, ugh, call me, you call me a homer. That, that was my takeaway. Um, we can break it down further, but, but yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, if we think about it, <clears throat> like you can say, I guess if you're a Kentucky fan, you're going to try to say like all these things that didn't go Kentucky's way. Like, look, you returned two kickoffs to like the 20. And you also had a true freshman wide receiver who caught a ball with a minute and a half left in the game, caught a screen and took it 60 yards to get to the 10 yard line. Like, let's not talk about the bad breaks that you got. Yeah. And that was almost all of their offensive production for the day. Exactly. Very, exactly. very little going on besides that. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's actually talk about the passing game. So uh, Jackson Dart, I think uh, that this was maybe his best game. Um, obviously, I think he's had, you know, statistically better games, although, uh, you know, he hasn't had a single game that was statistically amazing. Uh, but he was 15 of 29 for 213 yards, no touchdowns and a pick. He had eight carries for 40 yards. Uh, I think that when you think about those stats, it's like, well, that's, you know, not especially good. It's not bad necessarily, except the pick you wouldn't want to see. Um, but I, I thought he was really good in this game and came a long way or went a long way towards kind of showing that he can be that next uh, high-quality Ole Miss quarterback. I absolutely agree. And it's, you know, Kentucky's defense is much better, much different than the first four teams that Ole Miss has played. And Dart proved that he, you know, isn't going to, you know, blink uh, in the face of a, a much more talented defense. Uh, he he showed that he didn't get rattled when, you know, some snaps were bad, when there was some pressure. Um, he, he seems to do a really good job of when there's an early free rusher of dodging that guy and getting back downfield, uh, getting his eyes back downfield. Uh, and, I think that was, out of that. that was a really common occurrence uh, early in the game. Like you would often have a guy kind of get through or beat his man around and, Dart had to sort of step up or something like that uh, and, and look down the field. I also think that he is much better than I expected on throwing the ball with touch and dropping it into windows. Um, obviously, like we quarterbacks are often judged on like being able to thread the needle through tight windows and, uh, but I think that one thing that he's able to do that is not as common is like get it there quick, but have it kind of like uh, stay a high throw and drop down to to a receiver sort of at the last minute, which is a really awesome skill, especially like in the mid to deep passing game. I mean, I oh, think yeah. about like both of those back foot passes to Malik Heath that he was, you know, essentially about to be crushed and you know tossed them up beautifully uh, both catchable passes Maliki dropped one and caught the other um but there were others in the game as well i think there was one to uh jordan watkins early down the right sideline that was just you know gorgeous it just fell in exactly where it needed to be and watkins was able to keep running yeah the play to watkins was beautiful both of the back foot passes to malik keith uh, incredible displays of, you know, arm talent, but I do hope that <laughs> the coaches tell Jackson Dart, like, Hey man, those are going to start getting picked off. <laughs> yeah. Although, I mean, I guess to his credit, like they're down the sideline, uh, very much placed where the Kentucky defender had no chance at them. I, 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 I get what you're saying. And I don't think that ultimately he's going to need, or we're going to want him to make those decisions often. But, uh, but you know, significant, significant thing. Uh, okay, 
let's talk a little bit about uh, Quinshawn Judkins. So Zach Evans was, you know, not able to play very much. He he was okay when he played, uh, but he he was not really crushing it. Um, and then ultimately he came out and you know was obviously still injured in some capacity. So uh, Quinshawn Judkins carried the load again and 15 carries for 106 along with a catch for 14 yards. Pretty, pretty solid game from him. Yeah. Very nice. A lot of it came on, you know, a 48 yard touchdown run. Um, but he's very solid, not getting tackled for loss very often, even in the face of, you know, like we said, a really good defense. Uh, and probably had another touchdown scrubbed off the board. One of the annoying kind of bad bounces that I was referring to earlier. Um, Judkins busted up the middle a second time. I can't remember if it was the the third or fourth quarter. I think it was the third. Uh, but the referee couldn't get out of his way. Uh, and he had this huge head of steam, was headed for the end zone, but had to figure out a way to get around the ref. Uh, and then was stopped at the four or five yard line. And then that ended up being a series that, you know, was a turnover on downs. Uh, Kiffin elected to go for it. And, you know, we got no points out of this should have been a, a near walk-in touchdown. Yeah. I think that the decision to go for it there on fourth was probably the right call. Um, I know that's not what you were getting at. You were talking about uh, Quinshaw Dickens running there. Uh, and running into the ref. And I agree. I remember like thinking like, how could you possibly kind of not get out of the way of this huge dude running straight at you? You know, <laughs> if, if this, if Judkins was running at me, I would definitely move out of the way. Uh, but yeah, um, I, I know you weren't getting at the fourth down call there. What were your thoughts on going for it? And then also kind of like how it ended up working out. I mean, obviously like, we wish it had been completed for a touchdown, but in general, what were your thoughts? Um, I agree with the call to go for it. I think that the call, at least as we saw it, was atrocious. Uh, I think they loaded up the the near side of the field. Um, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I just remember thinking, like, this is a terrible play call. Um I just think they had they had too much traffic going on on that right hash, uh, and then that's where the entire play went. I don't I don't know if there was supposed to be some release valve to the far side of the field or something that didn't happen that was supposed to happen, but literally it was just everyone on the field crammed into the right you know <laughs> side of the field. Yeah. So of course no space to put it anywhere. I think there were three receivers right there. Um... And yeah, it's tough. I mean, I will say like, I think that the snaps and all that sort of stuff uh, are making it tough to judge, especially what could happen quickly in a play if the snap was good and, you know, quick so that he could make a quick read. Um, That's kind of being taken away on almost every play, but uh you know, overall, like knowing that that was always going to continue being a problem. Like, yeah, I I don't think that that play call worked. I I saw a lot of people saying that like Charlie Wise kind of sucks now, Uh, but I don't know. I mean, I I think that we're five games in and we're five and oh, so I'm going to kind of wait to, to pass too much judgment on him in general as a, as a play caller uh, or a play supporter. I guess we don't really know if it's Kiffin or him. Um, but yeah, I think oh, Quinchon Judkins was mostly bottled up, other than the fifty-yard touchdown or forty-eight-yard touchdown run that he had. Um, he still played well. I, I say bottled up as if like you know he he struggled or something. That, that's not the case. I just mean that he wasn't otherworldly, other than the forty-eight-yard yard run. Um, and you know he's true. He's a true freshman, so it's not fair to hold him to these standards. But he has just been so good. Through five, ga- you know, through five games, really, I guess four games leading up to this, that even when he just appears somewhat human and is still a good running back, it's like, ah, uh, you know, could have done, done a little something more on that that run. 
yeah, I mean, he's, he's being asked to do almost everything right now um, with, you know, Bentley Hurt and with Evans, you know, seemingly pretty limited. Um, if if we can get back to having those three guys healthy, then that really, you know, adds to our upside a, a little bit. I think having Judkins have to rush it 25 times a game is not ideal. No, yeah. Uh, so speaking of the, the wide receivers, it just continues to be the same thing. It's uh, Jonathan Mingo, who didn't really do anything, uh, but has has had a good season so far. Malik Heath, and then every now and then a random person. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about it every week on the podcast, but there's just so much opportunity for any one receiver to step up, and none of them have stepped up. Uh, other than those two, sorry. Uh, none of them have stepped up to be that, even have like a significant game that's a one-off. Yeah, if I could ask Lane Kiffin, Charlie Weiss Jr., a random football expert or passing game expert, one thing, it would be why that is. <laughs> you know, it, it seems to be kind of uncommon in, in college football, especially, you know, with a, a really offensive-minded coach, you know, to have such a small rotation at receiver and to really have just two guys who do everything. Uh and I just wonder if it's, is it a talent issue? Is it an experience issue? Is it a scheme issue? I just, it's so weird. Yeah. I mean, Michael Trigg had a, had a pretty good game, three catches for 41 yards. Uh, but, you know, he's a, he's a tight end. I guess I've just been surprised that we haven't really had, like, a player like J.J. Henry or Jordan Watkins or Jalen Robinson, although I know he's he's been hurt off and on. Uh, just suddenly have a four catches for eighty yards game. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not asking that every week or something like that, but just you know, have a game, have a game where you go off a little bit. Yeah, that hasn't happened. It really hasn't. I, I think Jordan Watkins is good and will get more involved, but yeah, it's kind of surprising that he hasn't been a more consistent presence in the passing game uh same with trig i think you know you and i had much loftier expectations for his you know volume uh in the, yeah. in the season but i i think with trig i think he's still his, his head is spinning a little bit it seems like um and i think you know his athleticism will will catch up once he feels a little more comfortable and the game slows down for him a little bit i think that's what's going on with trig um, but I don't know about the rest of the passing game. I, I mean, it could be just, you know, breaking in a new quarterback, breaking in a bunch of new receivers, um, new offensive coordinator. There's just a lot, a lot going on. And so I don't know if this tiny rotation is just like what's working best for them right now. But but yeah, sure would be good to, <laughs> to break out of that because uh, that's one injury away from shutting down the entire offense pretty much. Yeah. And, you know, during Kiffin's first two years, the slot was where the passing game made its money. And the slot this year has done very little. Yeah. You got to think that's Matt Corral and Elijah Moore. <laughs> uh, sure, and yeah. Less than Dontario Drummond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, the offensive line in the first. So uh, as you know, and the listeners who have listened so far this season know, um, I have generally thought the offensive line was quite bad. Uh, and in the first quarter or so, I continued to think that they were quite bad. Um, and uh, the snaps were terrible almost all game. Uh, so I'm, I'm not actually talking about that. But I do think the offensive line came along as as the game progressed and was able to keep the pocket clean more than I expected them to later. Um, and that and it's funny because Ole Miss found its most success offensively in the first quarter. So, like, you know, what good is that to you? But I think that there was less pressure on Jackson Dart than I expected there to be, especially in the second 
quarter and moving forward. Um, and maybe Micah Pettis, who I was definitely dogging in the first quarter uh, in the group chat. Maybe he was pretty good. I mean, I, I after that first quarter and him breaking breaking in, it wasn't just ends coming around easily unblocked for you know the majority of the game, and that's kind of what I expected it to be, and it wasn't. Yeah, I'd agree, and I think I think they are improving, which is pretty comforting because you know when there were issues with protection against some of the weaker teams we started the season with you wonder you know your your mind goes straight to like oh god when they get to sec play they're going to get demolished and so that suggests the issue isn't athleticism Uh, it it suggests the issue is you know experience cohesion which are things that you can work through uh and so i'm feeling better and better about the offensive line and I think you're right about Pettis. I, I noticed him struggling a little bit too, but a lot of people called him out specifically as having a good game. So, I mean, we're, you and I are not offensive line experts. He must have done at least okay. <laughs> uh, uh, I, think, I, I actually think that in the second half, uh, he, he came along quite well and, uh, and, and played well, which is cool. I mean, like, you know, having redshirt freshmen at the left tackle and right tackle spots, if they're good, is awesome. Because that means that, you know, you get at least one more year, but you could get as many as three more years out of them. Yeah, absolutely. And there's been plenty of years uh, on this recently where the general consensus has been, okay, we have five offensive linemen, no more. If anything happens, we are screwed. Uh, And that's, you know, not the case this year. We got, you know, Micah Pettis, Mason Brooks, uh, you know, some other guys that we could. I mean, Caleb Warren and Caleb Warren and Eli Acker are, you know, you know, uh, assuming that there are not long-term injuries to any of the offensive linemen, you have a seemingly a seven-person rotation of guys who have done things in D1 football. Yeah, and that's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, let's move on to uh, just just a general sort of trend. So the, the offense scored three points in the second half against Kentucky. It scored zero points in the second half against Tulsa. It scored seven points in the second half against Troy. Uh, what gives? Like, what, what do you think is happening? I I don't know. I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I I think it. Uh, some of it has been due to bad luck, but not all of it. Um, I don't I don't know. I don't know if defenses are getting a feel for our game plan, and our game plan is kind of narrow. Um. It's it's hard to tell, but yeah, it's it's not great, man. That that if that persists, we're we're not gonna have the nine ten win season that we are, are still hoping for. Like we gotta yeah. figure out something. Yeah, I mean, we're not always gonna be able to score enough points in the first half to be able to win every game. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't know either. I it does seem like. We have jumped out to leads, and then in the second half, I don't know if it's a hesitancy to put too much on Dart. Uh, You know, he is a young quarterback who is not super experienced and is progressing, although not, you know, still not crushing it. Uh, And, you know, maybe, maybe they don't want to put too much on him, but in the second half of games, it the I think there are two things. The play calling becomes maybe predictable is not the right term because I don't think it's like, oh, well, they're obviously going to run left. But it becomes relatively conservative. And also we've just had some weird things happen. I mean, against Kentucky, of course, Kentucky had like a, a couple of eight-minute drives and, you know, that will just – end it basically that that means you don't have very many possessions in the second half uh and there were some like 
there's like a bad snap, there's a couple penalties, some drops. Uh, I just think that the team is still kind of coming together, and it's a lot of lots of transfers, lots of shuffling and movement. Uh, testament, obviously, to the coaches that they've been able to get to this five and zero point, but there's a lot more to do, and got to score in the second half to be able to do that. The defense. Yeah. Defense in the second half, gosh, they are so good. I I think that until this game, you could explain away the defense, and especially with the Tulsa performance, you could explain away the defense as like, oh, they, you know, haven't really played quality opponents and haven't faced a quarterback who's good. When they do face a quarterback who's good against Tulsa, you know, he looks great until he goes out with injury. Um. I think Will Levis is a really good quarterback. I, I wasn't sure about that uh, until this game, but there were a number of times where he would get, he's getting pressured almost every play, like crazy pressure. His offensive line is so, so bad. And uh, there would be guys in his face, guys about to bring him down, and he would, you know, release a ball into a tight window and make it. And I think that is a, a really strong quarterback. And so to see this defense be able to, weather that storm and come up so big is really good. Obviously they're not going to pl- they're not going to face an offensive line as bad as Kentucky's every every week. But like w- at some point we're going to be able to stop caveating this. Like so the offensive line was bad, but their quarterback is projected to be a first round pick and Chris Rodriguez was back from suspension last season he accounted for 1600 yards from scrimmage. Like you know, at some point we have to say like okay, Every team has flaws. This defense is, is continually able to exploit those flaws and make it work to be able to pick up wins. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, you mentioned, hill to 3.8 yards a carry. I hadn't looked at that until just now. Uh, boy, that's really good. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I think in my head, if, if we held him to six yards a carry, that still would have been a win. Uh, uh-huh, yeah. 3.8. Um, I think oh, you're right gosh. about Levis. Um, I my concern is when we run into quarterbacks who can dink and dunk and pick us apart. I think Levis has a lot of talent, you know, pushing the ball downfield, um, you know, making plays to to you know avoid pressure. But yeah, I worry about guys who can just dink and dunk down the field. So that's kind of the the one test I want to see. Um for the defense the rest of the year, but you're right. They're really good. Yeah. I'm actually more worried about a, a quarterback like Jaden Daniels, who is a runner um, who can pass. I mean, he, he's not a great passer, but he, you know, he's a really great runner and a pretty good passer. And uh, we, I'm interested to see how that works against this defense. Um, obviously, you know, they've, they've faced some quarterbacks you could say are similar, but not with LSU's talent across the board on offense, that sort of thing. Um, so I'm going to just see how, how the defense handles that, but look, statistically they are, they are solid. Uh, they overall this season, 27th in rush yards per carry allowed 40th and third down D, which I know is not like 40th is not wonderful, but it's also not terrible. 26th in pass efficiency D, 13th in sacks. And one one interesting split that I found, they're average, they're allowing 2.08 yards per carry in the fourth quarter. So um, in all the quarters before that, it's at least like 3.2 yards per carry. But in the fourth quarter, in in the running game, they are they are stopping it. And you know, the fourth quarter should be when the defense is tired and can't handle it anymore. And it's just sort of like, Hey, we, okay. Offense, we got you this far. Like, what can you do for us? But I think that, and this, this also speaks to how there's not like a single one standout defensive player. You know, there's no one who has had this like crazy statistical year uh, because there's plenty of depth and there are lots of guys who make plays there aren't as many guys who make huge plays that turn the tide of the game, but there are so many consistent players on the team and there are consistent backups like Jared Ivy. Look, Jared Ivy 
is not a starter. He's not a starting defensive end. Whatever that means, like starter is kind of funny at this point. We we rotate so much. Uh, he gets plenty of snaps. But, you know, on the most crucial play of the game yesterday, he's in. And he makes a strip sack and wins the game for us. Yeah. Yeah, whipped his man. Um, fantastic play. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's just a lot of guys on defense who are in position. Uh, it's it's really something to watch. It, it's great. Uh, and, you know, yesterday, J.J. Piggy's definitely limited based on what we've seen from him in, you know, early games. Uh, Kari Coleman out of the game. Uh, he's, you know, Coleman has been our most effective pass rusher and uh, just looked fantastic um, until he was hurt. And, you know, we're, we're still looking really good. Austin Keys is in there playing really well um, in, yeah. in his absence. And, and yeah, just guys playing great all over the place. Uh, DeAndre Prince, I thought, had an excellent game. Um, Davison and Igbenison had, you know, a pretty nice game as well. I noticed, you know, maybe some more guys – um, let's see. AJ Finley, I mean, had a huge game. Uh, yeah, had the hit on Will Levis. Austin Keys came in and and forced the fumble, but I think the hit on Levis, uh, the ball was already kind of loose. Uh, it was just a crushing hit. Yeah, AJ Finley also forced the fumble that ended up being kicked out of bounds on that fourth. Well, I guess we can debate whether it was a fumble or an incomplete pass, but whatever it was, uh, that that set up the fourth and three that then Otis Reese nullified anyway, uh, you know, mm-hmm. is I, don't, I thought AJ Finley had a great game and I seen young chase down Barry and Brown on that long screen in the fourth quarter, uh, saving yeah, a touchdown. Yeah. He and Prince both uh, were, were involved in that tackle. I'm pretty sure. And then I think Trey Washington had a great individual effort on the kick return where Barry and Brown almost took it in. Uh, Washington came out of nowhere and like grabbed a little bit of his Jersey and then slowed him down enough to uh, close and finish the tackle. I thought that was like an exceptional effort, you know, it didn't end up mattering, but there's yeah. just a bunch of guys who can play. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they're, they're, they fly around the ball. Look, Troy Brown, you know, is continues to just produce and, I don't know. I think this. I think this defense is. I, I don't. I don't know if it's the best we've ever had or something like that. Like I think that's a, a, a weird statement to make five games in, but they are playing a disciplined defense in ways that are atypical at Ole Miss. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, with the twenty fourteen defense, I think that's that was a pretty monumental squad. I don't think right. this team is as good as them, but they have probably more depth and just more guys who just know what they're doing, um, which is it's fun to see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they typically limit the big play. Obviously, the screen yesterday was weird. I actually watched that play like 15 times to try to kind of figure out what was actually happening on that on the screen pass with a minute 30 left. I mean... Mostly just incredible individual effort by Barry and Brown. Um, there were like a number of times where he sort of like started, stopped, juked, like all sorts of stuff within like five yards of the line of scrimmage in order to set up the the window that he had for the long run. Um, you know, there were like a couple of like, I'm not going to single anybody out, but there were two guys who were blocked by one uh, Kentucky, Kentucky uh, player, but like, kind of in a weird spot. I I, I don't know. Like it wasn't just like horrible play or something. I just think that in general, the defense tried to collapse around him and kind of everybody tried to collapse into him instead of sort of like somebody staying home to be able to try to limit a big play there. Um, But I don't know. Like it's, it's so stupid to look at one play. There were, they, they were, they were so good on so many plays at, you know, if they if they had to give him a pass, like be there to tackle the guy as soon as he catches it. Yeah, yeah, that screenplay I watched it several times too. I, I think you're kind of right. We just kind of got tangled up. Um, yeah, and, and he slipped out of it, made an exceptional play. Barry and Brown is great. Uh, <laughs> he's really really good. So that kind of stuff is just going to happen. 
Yeah, so the only other thing we had here was uh, it, it is surprising that Cedric Johnson hasn't been productive so far this year. Now, I will say, like, I think he's playing well. I, I don't think he's playing poorly or something like that. I just think that it's surprising to me and to you, because you're the one who wrote this in the in the show notes, that he hasn't, you know, I, I, it would be, I'm surprised that he doesn't have like three sacks, four sacks or something like that so far. Yeah, we haven't seen him just individually beat his man and sack the quarterback, you know, like we saw from him at times last year and from Sam Williams last year. You know, to me, they became pretty similar players, uh, Williams and Johnson. Um, and so I was expecting to see some of those kind of plays where he just individually whips his man and gets a sack. We haven't seen that yet, um, but you're right. I don't think he's playing poorly. I just think it, it's looked different than I expected. Yeah, he has 13 tackles and one sack on the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, last year, he had six and a half. So he's not even on pace for that. And he's faced the easiest teams that he'll face so far. Um, oh, actually, so uh, let's talk about special teams real quick. Talk about player of the game, transfer of the game, and then we'll talk about Vanderbilt, speaking of the easiest teams that he'll face. Um, mm-hmm. Special teams, I think Jonathan Cruz is a good kicker, a great kicker. Yeah, what, a 55-yarder yesterday? And it looked like it would have been, would have been good for from longer. Yeah. 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 What did uh, you think? We have uh, decent punting. I think there, there was one bad punt yesterday, but, you know, whatever. Like, it was against the wind. Okay, whatever. The kick ret- <laughs> the kickoff return defense. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. Um, and I also, I don't know. I was kind of puzzled about the kickoffs being pretty short, no matter which way. We, well, I don't know. Well, on TV, it's hard to tell like which way we're facing. So I don't know if we were just always into the wind somehow or not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but yeah, kicking it into the end zone solves most of our, you know, kick return woes yesterday. And we didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a totally different game and not a nail-biter, in my opinion, if those are just kicked out the back. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so who's your player of the game? Uh, Dark Horse pick, Malik Heath. Um, mm. I, think, I think he was really crucial to a lot of our big offensive plays, a lot of our third-down conversions. Um. He looks like the best wide receiver that we have. I know Mingo's made a bunch of exceptional plays, but just as an every down player, I think he's been exceptional. Um, and yeah, I think without him, our offense would be a lot worse. Yeah, I think he's been really good. I will say Mingo was double covered for most of the game, uh, which allowed some things for, for Malik Heath. But yeah, yeah, totally. Um uh, for me, and, and I should also say, uh, I wonder if part of the reason they doubled Mingo for most of the game wasn't because, like, two years ago, Mingo went off against Kentucky, and maybe they sort of still remember that. Um, but for me, I'm actually going to go with A.J. Finley. I think that he was, I mean, obviously he was involved in that awesome fumble that just killed Kentucky momentum, uh, but he was also just there. I mean, he was... He, he was the tackle leader with nine on the, on the game. Although I guess he tied with Troy Brown. Uh, but I think that he was just able to limit plays. Um, and, you know, I, you and I both talked about in the preseason, how we viewed AJ Finley as more of a like coverage safety uh, who, you know, has led the team in picks for the last two years. Um, but Look, he's he's making his mark in stopping the run game too. He's he's showing that he can support in that way. And if he can do that, I mean, we're talking about a, a player who potentially has a you know significant NFL future. Not, I, you know, I don't think that he's a first round pick or something like that. But I think that he is continuing to show a skill set that could translate. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we've had, I don't know, the opportunity to watch some Ole Miss players in the secondary and, and see who's, you know, kind of panned out in the NFL and who hasn't, you know, Mike Hilton has, has stuck in the NFL, a couple other guys. Uh, he reminds me sort of of Jalen Jones for some reason. Um, maybe not like a super flashy player, but I, I think he's smart. He's in position. He's like long and rangy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think he'll get a good shot and he, he's certainly playing yeah. himself into a better position for that this year. Yeah. Uh, so we, we also talk about transfer of the game. Obviously you, you named Malik Heath, your player of the game. So that's, that's a pretty easy thing. Um, my transfer of the game is Jackson Dart. And I know that like, it's kind of dumb to just default to a quarterback in some situations and everything. And like, like I said, he didn't have the greatest game, 300 yards, three touchdowns kind of thing or something like that. But I think we saw Jackson Dart figuring out what he needs to do to help the team win. And uh, for the most part, he did it against a, a quality opponent. And, you know, now he gets a week or two weeks, depending on what you think of Auburn, to kind of take it easier, refine his game for some big games coming up ahead. Yeah, absolutely. And and hopefully have time to just get some more cohesion on offense in general. That'll, that'll help him and, you know, make him look statistically better a lot as well. Just kind of getting everybody on the same page. I think that's, that's the biggest obstacle in front of this team. Yeah. Yeah. So let's move on to Vanderbilt. Uh, I, I watched a weird amount of Vanderbilt football this morning in preparation for this podcast. Uh, but the lead here is that Ole Miss is going to win. And Vanderbilt is not very good. Uh, they are not hapless in the way that they sometimes are uh, in, in many seasons. But they just have like some glaring flaws that are going to make it really hard. Oh, by the way, Ole Miss opened as a 19-point favorite uh, against Vanderbilt. Um, I think I would take Ole Miss to cover... 19 is a good number though. Like I think that that makes sense in my, in my opinion, uh, just throwing some, a couple of things out there. They are 119th in third down conversion percentage, uh, on offense. So, you know, that's, that's, that's not good. Uh, and that is having faced Alabama, of course. Right. But also Northern Illinois, Wake Forest, who's really good. Wake Forest is a top 25 opponent, Elon and Hawaii. They have made a a quarterback change. So they started the season. And if you remember um, against Hawaii, Mike Wright went crazy. Uh, It's a a running quarterback. um, And he had like 200 yards of offense, 200 yards rushing against uh, Hawaii. Is that right? Let me me look it up. Uh, 163 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And then 146 yards passing, two touchdowns. But uh, I think that they, he got dinged up at some point, but they also sort of figured out that uh, AJ Swan is a, uh, he's a freshman there. And he was a four star out of high school, but uh, he has really come on for them and has changed the way that they call plays and, and the way they approach, approach games in general. Um, He's good. And I don't just mean like he's, you know, he's fine. Like he, he, I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he'll be quite good for them. Um, but yeah, they just don't have enough pieces. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. I watched the better half of the Northern Illinois game and that was my impression as well. I think he, he will get some first downs for for Vanderbilt against Ole Miss. I, I think he is smart and accurate and will move the ball around in ways that, you know, will occasionally allow them to make some gains. But but yeah, just the, the athleticism overall, I don't think is there. Um I don't I don't think it's gonna be very pretty for them at times. Uh, I think 
you know, we'll get a lot of pass rush. We'll make a lot of, you know, the secondary make a lot of plays where we bottle up someone really, really quickly. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so just to set, sort of set the stage, they, they run a, a good bit of plays in both the pistol and the shotgun, or I should say, I guess either of those two, like they don't run both at the same time. Uh, when they run out of the shotgun, it is mostly to run the ball. Their running back is named Ray Davis. He's a senior, and he's playing pretty well. Um, he has five yards per carry this season. Struggled against Alabama, but like whatever. Uh, Vanderbilt was going to struggle against Alabama no matter what. Um, he is not like he doesn't have the top end speed. He's kind of a bigger, stronger back, uh, but he's he's pretty good at making people miss in the open field. The problem is that he doesn't, or at least I don't know if he doesn't, but they don't really call a lot of like pure outside runs. And so they want to run out of the pistol seemingly because, you know, the quarterback receives the ball, he turns and Davis has already had like a step or two of momentum and can, can receive the ball at that point running downhill and, and get some, some tough yards. Um, and against a three-down lineman set, which is also what NIU ran, uh, to your point, and what a number of their opponents have run some, uh, running right at them can can work. Uh, against Ole Miss, I'm not sure it will. I think that J.J. Pegues is going to be hard for them to handle, and Austin Keys is a, a solid run-defending linebacker. There were times that Ole Miss had Cedric Johnson play linebacker. Uh, of course, when he plays linebacker, he's going to ru- rush the passer. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there will be, we'll see a good bit of that. And I think the big problem for Vanderbilt is their skill players, their, their receivers, right? Their receivers are not the type of, you know, get them the ball in space and they'll do something and make something happen kind of players. Yeah, nor nor do they seem like throw it up and they'll come down with it kind of players either. I I, I think they're just gonna struggle against you know a really good secondary with Ole Miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, I will say they they have not allowed a lot of sacks this season. They're twenty eighth in sacks allowed, so pressure is you know not simple. And again, that's that's having played at least two quality opponents. And I think that Northern Illinois is better than people maybe give them credit for. Um, But let's switch actually over to defense. Uh, I think defense is where they're going to have a lot of problems. So they, again, set the stage. They do three down linemen. Almost always they have a linebacker set up on one of the ends. um, And... That linebacker plays with his hand up, so he's not, you know, he's not a, a, a defense, a linebacker masquerading as a defensive end or anything, but usually rushes the passer. So it, it's kind of like they play a 4-2-5 with an undersized defensive end. Yeah. Um, and I think they're going to struggle a lot to stop the run. Um, so... Hopefully that could be a you know a solution to our second half offensive problems is we were just able to grind it out in the second half against you know what what hasn't been I don't know a, a great run defense and actually yeah their pass defense has not been super good either no, no. <laughs> so yeah, yeah so they're they're 115th in pass efficiency defense um, which is real bad uh, they don't get pressure they're 104th in sacks. And they are 95th in yards per carry allowed in run defense. So, like, they don't defend the pass or the run well. And, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a, a quality game from Quinshawn Judkins. And if uh, if Zach Evans is healthy, you know, from him or from Kent- – we might have a Kentrell Bullock signing, signing uh, or Isaiah Woolard. Like, I kind of think this game could get out of hand. Uh, for for Vanderbilt in a good way for Ole Miss. Yeah, certainly hope so. That'd be 
really encouraging to see at this point in the season for them to, you know, take care of a team like Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So before we close, ask the same question we've asked, has your season expectation changed as of a week ago? I don't think so. I'm still kind of straddling nine and 10 games. Um, And I think, you know, Arkansas, honestly, Mississippi state scares me a little more every week. I think they're pretty good. Um, But, and so that's my, now my pick for the potential third loss now that we've taken care of Kentucky. So I think for me, it kind of by default has to change because I predicted that Kentucky would win. Um, And I don't think that, other teams on Ole Miss's schedule did enough to scare me into flipping them from predicted wins to predicted losses. Uh, so I am now on the squarely nine win, whereas last week I was on the squarely eight win uh, column. And yeah, now I think that Alabama is the only sure loss remaining on the schedule. And you know, Ole Miss might not win. I'm sorry, might not lose two others aside from Alabama. Um, but I still can't can't stop myself from thinking that like there will be a game or two that Jackson Dart just folds, and not because he's bad, but he's just you know he's doesn't seem to be awesome so far. He had a, he played a really good game, but he's not this prolific type of quarterback right out the gate as a sophomore. Uh, and I think that there are some interceptions coming. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and yeah, hopefully we can avoid having those at the wrong time against the wrong team. But yeah, he's, he still has the potential for a letdown, but he, he I think he'll continue to get better too. I think before the season ends, Jackson Dart will have a couple of those like 300 yard passing three touchdown kind of games. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's got a lot good going for him. And I think that he will pop off a couple times this season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully. All right. Well, we will be back next week to talk about the outcome of the Vanderbilt game. If Ole Miss somehow loses, I will be just devastated and may quit forever. But yeah, mm-hmm. that's, that's all we got for today. Bye everybody.